Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Pretoria Law in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, Jennifer Wappas, Pignato Carp, Dika Karam and T-Bank, and Les Small and Vistage. We have a great lineup of guests for on our show today. David, will you please give us the rundown? Dr. Angela Wilson, President and CEO of Sacon Enterprise Incorporated, Serene Almaman, Co-Founder and CEO of Senseware, Dr. Paul Almeida, Dean of the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University, and Ron Lichtinger, Vice President, Sage Communications. Excellent. Let's get to our first guest, Angela Wilson, President and CEO of SACON. What is SACON? What are you doing, Angela? We provide information technology services to the federal government mm-hmm. on um, how mostly health systems. How large or how small is this organization? About 40 million. Uh-huh. And how many people? About 200. How did you get a job with it? I started it. Oh, you you started this business, a $40 million, 200-person business. Where are you from originally? Uh, Manassas, Virginia. How many brothers and sisters? Five brothers and sisters. So you're one of six. Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the second to the oldest. The second to the oldest. All right. How young were you when you started starting things, and what did you start? Um, well, I was uh, probably about nine or ten, and I started doing little things. Uh, Fairs and carnivals and talent shows for my neighbors. Fairs and carnivals. So you were, you were, you were thinking of a different kinds of events that would attract your friends, and then you were causing these events to happen, staging these events, and inviting your friends. Who, whose idea was this? Um, I was sort of the idea person, and then I'd get other neighbors and friends to help. <laughs> so you were selling tickets and stuff like that. We were. Uh huh. And how'd you know how much to sell the tickets for? Um, we we came up with a what we believe was a fair price that people would pay, and uh, they usually did. So. Uh huh. So, uh, growing up or earlier when we were talking in the green room, I think Jen asked you, you know, what were you like as a kid, and you mentioned that you were shy, and that sort of shocked all of us. But tell us more about um, wh- where'd the name of the company come from. Name of the company is uh, my mother's maiden name spelled backwards. It's my mother's maiden name. It's Noakes. She was very influential. Well, your mo- so you named the company after your mom. T- uh, tell us about um, how your mom influenced you. Um, well, like I said, I was very painfully shy, so I was very, very uh, uh, much by her side on a regular basis, and she she was very encouraging to me. She gave me a lot of confidence, um, and uh, you know I think she was probably the smartest person that I knew, so mm-hmm. I, I really admired her for that. Mm-hmm. Jen? Um, you mentioned that she was in the choir, and you were one that was not, and she gave you special attention, and this was yeah. for what? Yeah, I was a family of musicians, so, you know, and I was the not talented music person, so I didn't have the natural talent, so I uh, I tended to gravitate to other things like learning and um, and education. Wait, 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 so of your siblings, you were the one without the musical talent, so what'd that do to you? Um, it, uh, you know, it, uh, really forced me to understand more about, um, how to get my voice out there. I mean, they were very, very vocal because they sang and I was very quiet. And so, um, you know, I had to find other ways to do that. And it was usually through some type of learning and knowing I know this, um, you know, fact and that's sort of how I, I I think you impressed all of us earlier that, you know, you're, that somehow you got confidence. And that's what really made you special and different. Am I mistaken about that? No, no. Actually, my mom was very, very influential in um, giving me that confidence. I mean, she was just very attentive to me. So um, that was very Uh helpful at a very, very young age. Tell us about your father's role in in the family. Um, My dad worked really hard, worked long hours. He was, uh, he instilled work ethic for sure. Um, You know, it was all about work for him. And for us, you know, he really... Um, thought it was important that we were all working, we were all doing something at all times. How, so wha- how did that affect you, 8 to 14? Wha- 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 how did that show up? Um, well, you know, I got a job as soon as I could. You know, I really was... How uh, young were you when you got a job? How young were you when you got a job? Um, 15 and so many months. Doing um, what? I worked at a restaurant. Whose idea was it? 
Uh, it was my idea. What, were, what kind of restaurant? It was a Wendy's restaurant. Uh huh. And what did you do different than all the other kids that worked at Wendy's? I had to walk to work, so <laughs> and uh-huh. it was pretty far away. So uh, that was uh, definitely something that was a little bit different. How about when you got to work? I'm sorry. How about when you got to work? Um, did you do I, you know, I worked hard. I mean, I, I really believed in, um, you know, it was just really instilled in us to work hard. So, what, you know, what was your, ori- what was your original role there when you started? At Wendy's. Yeah. Uh, uh, the front desk counter. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did you advance to? Um, well, you know, I, uh, I did every station in, in the, uh, the restaurant. Did so most of the other kids do other stations in the restaurant? Um, a lot of them had to do a lot of stations in the restaurant. I mean, I think that yeah, we did the grub like work. Yeah, it sounds to me like you wanted to. Well, I did. Uh-huh, I did. Uh-huh. I definitely What's did. I wanted, to to I wanted to earn enough money to get a car, and I did. So. What's that have to do with starting your own business, the fact that you wanted to work at all those other stations? Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Dee, what do you got? Well, <clears throat> working in a fast food restaurant, uh, what was the management like there? Um, you know, it w- they were tough. I mean, they were really tough on us. So what did that do to you as a manager today? Um, you know, I, as a manager today, I really try to inspire people. I mean, I think that's really what I enjoy. Um, I think I, uh, one of the things about what we do is I like to be surrounded by smart people. I think that, that sort of came out with my mom as well. You know, she, I th- she was just very smart. I was inspired by that. Um, and uh, and so you know my role and my goal is to inspire the folks around me to be um, uh, to be smarter than me and mm-hmm. uh, you know to bring knowledge to the table. What's that have customers? to do with pulling together this carnival when you were nine years old? Isn't that what you were doing back then? Pulling the kids together, getting everybody excited, coming up with ideas. Yeah, actually, uh-huh. that's exactly what I was doing. So, is there a similarity between that personality trait and what you're doing now? It is. Starting it is. a forty million dollar person with two hundred people now. It is very much uh-huh. similar. Les, what do you got? Where did you learn to deal with the risk of possible failure? Um, you know, that's the interesting part. My, because of the confidence that I received from, believe it or not, my parents, I felt like I, it didn't matter what I did. They didn't really force us into any role or position. They just felt like we worked hard. And so failure was, so what? You know, if, if you fail at that, then do something different. And so, um, you know, I think that that is where know the understanding that you may fail and you need to pick it up and move on mm-hmm. um, so. D, David being second of six siblings uh, what type of role did you play in your siblings life um you know well I was the second to the oldest and so uh, you know I did have to play a parental role and um, we had to babysit at a very young age and we had to take care of our younger siblings um, my sister and I so um, so you know and I you know so I did have to uh, uh, manage the family, if you will, from time to time. And uh-huh. I tend to coordinate events for them still. <laughs> I, uh, what was that again? And you tend to what? Coordinate events, the family events still. So, so you're the organizer of the family. I am the organizer. Uh-huh. Is, that the pr- is that a primary personality trait that's helped build a successful $40 million business, that organizer? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So this was showing up, pulling together the carnivals at the age of nine. It's still happening with your role within the family, pulling together the family events. And it's also a major personality trait that's helped you build a 200-person, $40 million business, oh, your organizational absolutely. abilities. Absolutely. Who's got the next question here? Y- you mentioned earlier that uh, your mother passed away suddenly when you just were graduating from college. Uh, you, you named your company after her. How do you uh, kind of uh, use the lessons she taught you in your everyday work in your company? Um, well, it, it is about instilling confidence and um, providing uh, a venue for risk-taking and um, being who you are. Wait a minute. And I read the newspapers. I thought being the CEO is you yell at people and you fire people. <laughs> if they don't do a job, you get rid of them. What are you talking about inspiring people and giving them confidence? I, I must be reading the wrong newspapers or something. Right. No, no. It is very much about having people wanting to come to work every day, doing exciting work, and, uh, you know, inspiring them to do something different so mm-hmm. Jen what are you thinking um your mom was a big influence and she gave you that confidence and you obviously bring that to work every day how do you bring how do you incorporate that with your employees and your clients um uh, well you know I think that it's it's um usually about communicating in a way 
that uh, people feel comfortable expressing themselves and uh, you know even in client situations really sort of thinking outside of the box and um, really trying to brainstorm different ideas and being innovative um, some of the things projects that we're working on are some of the most uh, sought-after projects in federal government I mean they're healthcare related they touch people's lives you know so our customers are very very um, influential in what happens um, from a healthcare perspective and, and so their jobs their roles are very important so it's about really embracing that and understanding that you know um, that we appreciate you know what they're doing and allowing them to sort of uh, go outside of um, you know really explore how we might be able to support the and efforts that they're doing and like, taking the risk uh, with the, them. The, so the, the way your mom really appreciated what your strengths were and how she supported you is what you're doing with your clients and your team. There seems to be a pretty direct correlation there. What's the website address of this organization, Angela? Uh, Sekon.com, S-E-K-O-N.com. Let me have that one more time. Sekon, S-E-K-O-N.com. We've been speaking with Angela Wilson, President and CEO of Sekon, here on Executive Leaders Radio with my co-hosts, Les Mullen Vistage, Dika Carr, M&T Bank, Jennifer Wapis, Pagnato Carp, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, and Joe Applebaum, Potomac Company. So don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders, executiveleadersradio.com. And we'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? My name is Otmar von Blumenkron. And what, what organization are you with? I'm with an organization called VIP Desk Connect. And what's your role in that organization? I'm responsible for sales and marketing. Uh-huh. And and you're responsible for sales and marketing. How do you do that for BI, VIP Desk Connect? What do you actually do? Well, every company needs to generate revenue. That's the lifeblood of every company. Um, so we are looking out for new clients every day um, who we can support with our customer service uh, solutions. Hmm. So you're looking for new. How do, you, how do you go about finding new customers every day? That's the uh, crucial thing of my job. Um, we are having multiple um channels where we which we pursue uh, so we attend trade shows um, but um, we also connect uh, with people through organizations uh, associations uh, in our industry you come up with all these ideas yourself on what to do well you're, you know it says here you're the you're the sale vice president sales and marketing are you doing this all alone well, we have a team, and I think sales and marketing is a critical role, uh, which What do you normally mean you have a team, though? But it, are you, you're supposed to be leading the charge, right? That is true. Uh, however, sales and marketing is, is, uh, needs to be evolved through the entire company. So the CEO is very involved in this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody else, especially operations who talk with clients what do you uh, like on a about day-to-day you, what basis. What do you like about your job, anyway? I love my job. Um, you love your job? Sales what do you mean you love your job? <laughs> sales is wonderful because you talk to people, you help people. Um, I you thought sales create is like solutions. you lie people and you tell people tales. and That's not what it's about, though? Well, I think that, that it has been proven that that is not a long-term strategy if you want to uh, uh, you know, sustain in sales. Wait um, a minute. You're telling me that you take a long-term approach to sales, so when you sell somebody, you want that customer to stick around so you better tell them the truth? Well, I think that's, that, that is How especially in our what's in our. What's your industry? website address? What's your website address? Our website address is um, vipdeskconnect.com. Let me have that one more time. Desk. Connect. This has, com. Been, this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, w- what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So, how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis, or daily basis, or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? 
Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're you're well, you're running a twenty four by seven facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Serene Almaman, co-founder and CEO of an organization known as Senseware. Serene, what is Senseware? What are you guys doing? We have a smart building technology that enables the engineers and building to manage, control, and monitor what's happening in their buildings from anywhere. Ooh, this sounds pretty complicated. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have four brothers and four sisters. So you're one of nine kids. Where are you in the pecking order? I'm uh, second. You're the second oldest. And uh, actually, you mentioned earlier that you were born in the States. And actually, when you were eight months old, you moved back to uh, Saudi Arabia with your family because your dad had been, you know, had been in the States to go to college. And your father did something special in Saudi Arabia. What was that? He started the first project management training and consulting company in Saudi. Uh-huh. Did you know that as he was doing it? Um, yeah. Uh, my father was uh, really good at telling us about what happens at work and what he's doing. Did you take a special interest in what he was telling you? Yeah. Uh, at very early stage, I wanted to help out. And What uh, do you mean you wanted to help out? What are you talking about? Uh, every time I had uh, some time after school, I would ask him if he needs help with anything, he needs a presentation or whatnot, just to learn more wait about it. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Most, <laughs> most young girls, don't you want to go out and play? What do you mean? You wanted to go to work with your dad? Yeah, it was uh, really interesting what he was doing. It did he let sense. you help him out? Yeah, he uh, was very encouraging. How did he encourage really you? Give us an example of 8 to 14, how he encouraged you. Um, he would, uh, since he noticed that I have an interest, he would ask me to help, even if I didn't ask. If he has anything uh, that uh, I could do and work on, he would uh, show me and let me run with it. Uh-huh. How do you think that, do you think that had any impact on you uh, getting involved in this business? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it taught me that I could do uh, things that I didn't know uh, I could do. Um, it taught me how to run a business. Um, Jen? Wasn't that um, not really the norm in Saudi Arabia at the time? Yeah, um, it, there wasn't much to do outside of just going to school. Um, so being able to help with the business was uh, especially uh, different for uh, female uh, in, in Saudi. Sure, and obviously you enjoyed and your dad enjoyed um, kind of giving you this advice. Has he um, been to your office now? Yes, yes. Definitely. Would you say that he's proud of what you've accomplished? I think so. Mm -hmm. How do you know that? Um, he shows a lot of interest in what we're doing. Every time we meet, he asks about the business and try to advise as much as he can. And Wow. Yeah. David? Your, your father encouraged you and challenged you. T tell us how that impacts you and how you deal with your employees and build your company. Um, the main thing uh, that I, I try to tell our, our team is that find a way to get things done, get things done and do things right, um, and uh, never th let anything stop you. G give us an idea of how 8 to 14 years old you figured out a way to do something that uh, was clever or different, 8 to 14. Um, just, uh, I think... Uh, bringing technology to to the school um, because we ha I had to you do that with my... To where? In Saudi Arabia? Yeah. 8 to 14 years old? So showing people, for example, how to use PowerPoints, that it exists. And that's something that was new. People were, what is PowerPoint? Were, and other, and girls like were other girls in Saudi Arabia, 8 to 14 year old, doing this kind of stuff with technology in Saudi Arabia too? Um... I think it was unique and different. What I was unique say. and different? Just know, knowing how, not being afraid of using technology and um, and teaching it to others. Uh huh. Angela, do you have a question? Uh huh. D. Talk to me a little bit about growing up in Saudi Arabia. 
Um, it was a little bit frustrating for me because I uh, wanted to do everything that uh, my siblings were doing and my, my male siblings. Uh, so, for example, they uh, had the chance to take karate classes, and I really wanted to do that. But it was frustrating that that wasn't available for, for us. So uh, what, what's that uh, done to you now as, as a manager? Um, just to uh, not let anything stop uh, stop me and find a way to um, to get to wha- what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Les? So how did that affect your, your the opportunities that you had in Saudi Arabia? I mean, did you leave there and come here because you didn't have those opportunities? Uh, well, I had the opportunity to come uh, for school here on a scholarship, so that really helped me um, realize the dreams that I, it was difficult for me to to have in, in Saudi Arabia, so uh, I think that was really So you came lucky. back here by yourself? No, I came with my uh, ex-husband at the time. Uh-huh. Interesting. So you came with your ex-husband, uh, but you're the one who started the business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. Where'd the money come from to start the business? Um, I consulted with uh, some companies at the beginning, so I used some of the money uh, to start the business. Your father didn't give you the money? Um, no. So you saved the money. This is bootstrapped. Yes. <laughs> so you've grown the business the hard way. Well, we then raised money from investors, but at the beginning it was our own money. Did you ever ask your father for money? Um, no, I don't. Why, no, why don't you take the easy way? Why don't you ask your father for money? Because I uh, felt like I could do it myself and, uh, you know, just have... Wouldn't it have been easier the other way? It would have been, but... I wasn't looking for something easy. <laughs> you weren't looking for something easy. Mm, interesting comment. Jen, you have another question there? Um, well, you talked um, a lot about how your dad's influenced you. What about your mom? Has she influenced you in any way? Um, so I, I didn't get to really know my mom until uh, you know I was 20. Um, so um, since then, I observed a lot uh, from her being you know, a strong woman, very patient, uh, very smart, and uh, I, I hope I got some of that uh, genetics mm-hmm. from her. Why, why didn't you get to know your mom until you were 20? Uh, because uh, when I m- uh, my dad moved us back to Saudi Arabia, um, uh, they, they they were divorced, divorced, so my uh-huh. mom stayed in the U.S. How'd that affect you? How'd that divorce affect you? Uh, it, it, it made things, uh, you know, difficult times don't feel as difficult, uh, you know, not growing up with your mom. So you're the kind of firm, you, you can figure anything out, can't you? You're I always thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. I hope so, and yeah. And you don't mind the challenge. I mean, you could have mm-hmm. taken, you could have asked dad for money. You could have raised money other places. You didn't want to do it. You wanted to take the more difficult route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David? You were uh, in, enlightening and teaching about information technology in your school as, as, as a young person. And now today with your company, you enlighten facilities managers and, and allow them to leverage technology. Can I talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, just really um, uh, thought of technology as enabler from the very uh, er- early stage that it can make things just be v- more efficient and effective in, in doing day-to-day uh, things. And so, How young were you when you were teaching PowerPoint as uh, a girl, a young girl in Saudi yeah. Arabia? I was maybe 14, 15. <laughs> so this really is part of who you are. <laughs> yeah. What's the website address of this organization known as Senseware? Senseware.co, S-E-N-S-E-W-A-R-E, dot C-O. Uh-huh. We've been speaking with Serene Almaman, co-founder and CEO of Senseware here on Executive Leaders Radio, with my co-hosts, Les Smolin Vistage, Dikakar M&T Bank, Jennifer Wapas, Pagnato Carp, David Kunzman, Pretori Law, and Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. One help building your business with help from this show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. 
the same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Chuck Ockeltree. And Chuck, what organization are you with? The National Conference Center and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And what makes this organization special? The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue. Um, it's not a traditional hotel. Mm-hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, mm-hmm. because of our size, mm-hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the corporate 100, corporate 500, as well as uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. we do a lot of business with Washington, D.C. Uh, government agencies. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about your job? What I like about uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you personally? What what do you enjoy about your job? I enjoy that that we've uh, had a very, very very successful turnaround in Mm -hmm. uh, the two and a half years, Mm -hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in 2014 mm-hmm. with Excellent. the new, new ownership, we've literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's that mean? It, good question. It means that uh, uh, we're involved with branding, mm-hmm. uh, everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and um, the business development. So you're actually going out there and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients, making sure that, you know, your services are valuable. We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, events as well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com. Let me hear that one more time. www.conferencecenter.com. This has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're yeah. the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, The company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. Mm -hmm. Next time, I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Uh, So you've you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? A Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce... Paul Almeida, who is the Dean of McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. Paul, what is Georgetown University and what's the uh, McDonough School of Business? Georgetown is the oldest Catholic and Jesuit uh, university in, uh, in the United States, founded in 1789. And the McDonough School is one of the world's best schools for international business 
and international relations. Uh, I understand that you're from India originally, and you were raised Catholic, and you also moved around a lot as a kid. So you had a lot of influences there. And uh, I was wondering what the influence of Father Shock was on you. So Father Shock was my, I think it was grade 8 and maybe grade 9 teacher in civics. And he decided that the best way to teach us is allow us to experience things. So he'd encourage us to experience, say, going to a hotel, trying to book a room, all dressed up in, you know, our blazers and ties, and then going as a villager and trying to do the same thing. And through that, we realized that the world is sometimes an unfair place. And our duty is to try to make a difference to people uh, to serve the common good, which is the core theme of the Jesuits. Interesting. And you also mentioned that you never like to accept things as they are. You like to imagine the future. You never like to accept things as they are. You like to imagine the future. Where did that come from, and how's that influencing your being the dean of the McDonough School of Business of Georgetown University? I guess I'm just a restless spirit. Uh, I can see possibilities in everything I encounter, including uh, higher ed, which is changing because of technology and global competition. So this restlessness, I think, can serve the McDonough School well. As we wade into the future, we. Uh, we look at how machine learning, how artificial intelligence, how uh, global experiences can make our students' lives richer. So I think I'm in the right job at the right time. You also have a smile on your face. Where did this love of life come from? Oh, definitely my mother. Uh, Remember, it's not easy being a mother of seven kids, and uh, I I guess we weren't always the easiest kids. I remember my mother telling one of my younger brothers, I hope you have seven children just like yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But she was full of life, and she's still alive. She loves people and loves life and is a perennial optimist, Uh and I'm lucky to get that from her. When you were uh, 14 years old, you told us, I believe it was in India, that you decided you wanted to make some money and you're the you're the fifth of seven kids and it was your idea at the age of 14 to go teach math now most kids are mowing lawns or delivering newspapers where did you get this idea to go make money teaching math and what did you do different than anybody else i i loved math and i knew i could teach it well and i knew math wasn't taught very well in most schools so first i started tutoring a couple of neighborhood kids and they did much better than their parents expected that gave me the confidence to talk to one of the local high schools and say guess what i can make so you got some positive feedback and that gave you greater encouragement that you could do more and that you were on the right track in terms of your teaching methods i i think you're right i didn't think of that before but i think it was a positive feedback loop there that encouraged me to try and what did more. you what did you learn from that positive feedback loop and what did that encourage you to further do and how's that affecting you nowadays you know i think because i was fairly successful in my little experiments early on I continue to experiment through life. I moved from being an engineer, I tried my hand at banking and consulting, and then finally being a professor. Once I joined Georgetown, I realized I don't just have to teach and do research. I tried administration as a head of executive education. I experimented a lot, and it worked. You sound to me like an entrepreneur. Isn't that what an entrepreneur does? Try different things, take on new challenges? And I think uh, a lot of higher ed is going to have to be uh, entrepreneurial in the future. I think uh, we're going to have to be innovative. We're going to have to seek the future. We're going to have to reinvent ourselves so that we can really serve the public. So how do you take your personal experiences that you've had and infuse it in your role as an administrator, if you will? Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, for people around me, I can't help but do that. I'm a kind of restless spirit. So if I look at our curriculum, I say, how can it be better? If I look at which programs we have, say, what can be launched that will embrace technology and make it easier for the students to do? So you're still doing it as you were doing it when you were younger? Oh, very much so. Very, very, very much so. So when you were uh, in teaching math in India, uh, did you do something differently than the school? Yes. Um, I Even then, I experimented with how people learn. Yeah. I believe people learn best from their peers. 
And I remember breaking up the, you know, say 30 people in class into little groups and creating competitions amongst them who could get the answer fastest. And I'd reward them with very silly rewards. I can't remember what, they were probably candy of some kind. Mm -hmm. And I realized the competitive instinct is a part of the learning process as well. Did Everyone wants to seek for more. Did you bring that to Georgetown as well? Is it something uh, that you saw? I don't give candy out at Georgetown. <laughs> I've stopped that. Uh, but uh, I, I think that same spirit, that same uh, the essence, trying to do better David? always, never being satisfied David? with where we are. You've been teaching since such a young age. Who were the teachers in your family? Uh, my, my mother was a part-time teacher, and I think three of my four sisters were teachers. And we loved to teach people even if they didn't want to learn. <laughs> uh, we, we like to explain and argue and seek uh, solutions at the dinner table. Uh, mm -hmm. Quite a feisty family. Mm -hmm. I think we'd wear out visitors sometimes we just go. listening to Jen, us. Jen? Um, you mentioned that you'd moved around a lot when you were young, and um, how did kind of getting uprooted what have you learned from that experience? I think that's a wonderful question because long ago I realized I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. I don't have to be the insider. I don't have to be belong. I'm quite happy to be the outsider and continuously seek change and continuously uh, seek the future. What an entrepreneurial instinct. Les, what's your question yeah, there? Uh, where does that come from? Because you had mentioned something in the green room about your grandfather. I've never met my grandfather. He passed away before I was born. This was my mo mom's father. But he was an orphan, and he was brought up by priests, literally under the staircase. Mm -hmm. And he did very well for himself. And a lot of the family live off his wealth to this day. And I, from all the stories my grandmother told me, he was the entrepreneurial yeah. one. He, he kept seeking uh, to do better. Was it all about taking uh, better, or was it something else that you had mentioned around uh, never accepting things as they are? Yeah, I think it's the, I think the two are connected. It was not not just better for yourself, but better for the world. Uh, uh, you know, the, this idea that we can and should make a difference to society is very strongly embedded in my family. Of all the things that you've done and accomplished, what are the most? What's the thing that you're most proud of? I think my family, I have a very good relationship with my son and daughter and wife and even my dog. Uh, I, I'm most proud of the fact that we can talk about anything. My son's 23, my daughter's 20, and we talk about anything and everything. I thought the question that Dee asked you is, of all the stuff you've done, what are you most proud of? Now, you're the dean of the McDonough School of Business of Georgetown University. And you've, you've had other previous careers. You, and what did you just talk about that you're most proud of? My family. Wh why? And our relationship. I think uh, if you could, you could have all the success in the world in your career, but if you cannot form a family that moves on to make a, continue to make a difference, then you're really creating something sustainable. And uh, I'm particularly proud of my family. It's the relationships that mean yes. a lot to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who's got the next question here? Sustainability, where did that show up for you as a kid? I realized that too often we take great satisfaction from things that happen in the short term, but the next day they're gone. And the idea of creating sustainable institutions, sustainable actions, uh, I think was embedded very early. Uh, I'm not sure where it came from, but it was very is deep. Is it a Jesuit thing? Is it uh, a what is that? It, it, it could be. It could be part of my Catholic heritage. Uh, there was definitely this, this idea that we're here to serve the world, and the world is not for just today or tomorrow, but way beyond in the future. David? Your father served uh, in a different way, you mentioned. And tell us about that and its impact on you. Yeah, my, my dad was a naval officer, first in England and then, you know, uh, mostly in India. And uh, my father was a great organizer, but he was totally risk averse. So he would plan everything to the T. I've got a lot of that planning in me as well, but I've got a little bit of my mother's family's madness as well. Mm -hmm. I think that combination suits me. And that, that combination uh, yields innovation? I think so. Okay. What's, what's the best part of your day, Paul? Uh, I hate sitting in my office and doing stuff. I, I jump up and talk to people. 
In fact, I have to escape from my chief of staff and my assistants sometimes. I just go and chat to students, uh, faculty, uh, anyone who happens to be passing through the building. Because you really enjoy the relationships. And I, I enjoy that. What's uh, the much of it's productive or not. Well, I'm sure that it is. <laughs> What's the website address of this uh, Georgetown University? It's georgetown.edu. Let me have that one more time. Georgetown.edu. We've been speaking with Paul Ameda, Dean of the McDonough School of Business, Georgetown University, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? Wear Aware. And uh, what is Wear Aware? What do you guys do? We're a digital agency. Mm -hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically in Google. Uh -huh. uh, it's pay-per-click. Uh, mm -hmm. And then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain, certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, so we work with everyone, local companies mm -hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC mm -hmm. to really large companies that you might have heard of like Pitney Bowes. Mm -hmm. so, and you're helping these folks, your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes. So I, I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what do you like about that gig? Well, the, the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, mm -hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I love mm -hmm. the constant pace of change. And What's the website address for the organization? It's wearaware.com. Let me have that again. Wearaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the next next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, th your thought is, in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that uh, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid. time. Bostonbid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. 
Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. To hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Ron Lichtinger, who's the Vice President of Sage Communications. Ron, what is Sage Communications? What are you guys doing? We're a strategic marketing communications consultancy. and We help advanced technology companies uh, market and sell to regulated industries. Hmm, that sounds complicated. Where are you from originally? I grew up uh, around Baltimore. Around the Baltimore area. And uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, one younger brother. He's four years younger than me. One younger brother. He's f- how much younger is he? Four years younger. Four years younger. And uh, what was your relationship with him back then? What would he? What's his first name? Uh, his name's Paul, um, and what he, would, he lives would, in Baltimore today. What would Paul yeah. tell us about his older brother, Ron? Well, probably very competitive, very outspoken, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you yeah. Mentioned, we you mentioned that when you were a kid, mom and dad got divorced when you were, what, seven years old? Yeah. How did that affect you? Well, it, it made life a lot more complicated growing up, you know, visiting between two different households. Um, and How uh, many different schools did you go to? Uh, I, I was in five different schools by the time I was in fourth grade. Whoa, and whoa, then, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, five you different know, schools? Three different schools between, uh, you know, b- until I graduated high school. Seven different schools? Yeah. Seven or eight. What, what did go into that many different schools? What did that do to you? How did that affect you? Um, it, you know, getting around to, to meet new people every year really sort of taught me to have an open mind about uh, getting along with different people because, you know, I just I wanted to have – as many friends as I could in, in different areas. So. Wait, wait, wait. So, so what's that have to do? What did moving around, how did that prepare you for your role in business with this organization known as Sage Communications? Well, um, I've been with Sage now for almost two years, and um, it's a little bit different from what I've been doing before, which was in the news business. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a natural skeptic, and I want to make sure that, uh, you know, in, I'm, if I'm speaking to someone that I'm trying to learn from them in some way or help them uh, to whether it's where that skill come from how did how did moving around help you tone that that uh, well really getting around to meet different people and assimilate into different communities very quickly Uh David didn't you have a question along those lines Uh, changing schools so much uh, and at a young age you've Mm got to be able to read people and situations quickly and and how does that help your work today Um, you know trying to find out what people need uh, to, you know, either succeed in business or in life, being able to read that quickly and, and make those connections has, has really helped me to succeed in business. Mm-hmm. What sports did you play growing up? Uh, in, in high school, it was wrestling and lacrosse. Uh-huh. Wrestling and lacrosse. Well, 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 there, there are two different kinds of sports. What was the effect you had on those teams and what did they, what did they teach you about business? Well, wrestling taught me a lot about uh, execution, planning, preparation, and execution because it's very much, in, in a lot of ways, an individual sport. It's also part of a team sport. You, you want to do well individually so that your team can win. Mm-hmm. Uh, lacrosse is much more of a team sport, and uh, what I learned from that was fundamentals, practice, and you know if you can if you can execute 
the fundamentals you can help your team to win. Uh-huh. Jen? Um, you mentioned that your mom was a teacher. She taught um, special needs students. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, do you, what did you learn from your mom that you use now? Uh, what I learned from my mom was, was patience more than anything. And I, I don't think I'm as patient as she is, but uh, I, I learned the value of that. And she, she would deal with uh, challenging students, but also challenging parents. Some were either too demanding or not, not enough involved in their child's lives. And um, that's very much the same in business when you're dealing with customers. Sometimes, uh, you know, they're, they're pushy and sometimes they're uh, not as involved in their business as they should be. So you have to find out what you can, what you can do to help them find value in, in their day-to-day work. D, what do you think? You, of? you mentioned that you went to five different schools before the age of uh, what, the fourth grade. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. That's amazing to me. So how did you make friends? How did you meet people? What, what did you do? Uh, it was really about, you know, sort of having an open mind and, you know, find it, you know, being open to different interests and different backgrounds, whether it was art or music or sports, uh, knowing where people were coming from and, and what made them excited. Now, how do, you, how do you use that in your ability to develop business today? Well, I, I have to, you know, reach out to as many potential customers as I can. That's, that's important. Uh, but in, in a way that they want to talk to me and spend time with me and, and hear what my perspective might be on how we can help their business to grow. That's, that's really helped me in life and, and to succeed. Yeah, what does it mean to be the older brother when your parents divorce? I felt a lot of responsibility for my younger brother, uh, and uh, that, was, that was challenging at a young age. Mm-hmm. What did um, you learn about yourself from that that you use today? Not to be too demanding or set expectations too high, really. Uh, you know, I, I think um, you know, when I was younger, I could be pretty tough on my younger brother. Um, and uh, you know, I think that that's really shaped my view on life today, that uh, you know, people want to do their own things for different reasons. And if they're going to do that, you can't always make them do what you want. So you have to figure out how to work with them. What else you thinking, Liz? I mean, it, it, it all plays into that in terms of you know you finding your place, and and as a child yourself having moved around all those times, and now kind of finding yourself as the older brother, and and what that you know put on you at a at a young age, you weren't that uh-huh. old at that point. Yeah, how's yeah. that affecting uh, your your role in the team in the stage communications? Well, I think of myself as a team player. I, I like to hear different perspectives and. Uh, you know, I, I always feel that I'm learning something new when I'm working with a team. Um, and when, when you're in a brainstorming session, a lot of people might all individually have a really good idea. But what you come out with that, uh, from that session with is something that's much better than any single individual idea that someone came up with. So you really believe that the team creates better than the individual? Yes. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the Sage Communications? Uh, Vice President of Business Development. Uh huh. So when you bring a piece of business and you want to make sure that you're able to deliver what you sell and sell what you deliver, and the way you're able to do that is by pulling together the right team. What's the website address for this organization, Sage Communications? AboutSage.com. It's A-B-O-U-T-S-A-G-E.com. Excellent. Uh, Les, can you please give us a rundown on who we've had the opportunity of speaking with today? Sure. We've had Angela Wilson, President and CEO of SACON. Serene Almaman, co-founder and CEO of SenseAware. Paul Almeida, dean of the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. And Ron Lichtinger, vice president at Sage Communications. I would like to thank my co-hosts, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, David Kunzman, Pretori Law, Jennifer Wapis, Pagnetto Clark, Dean Kakar, D. Kakar from M&T Bank, and Les Smolin Vistage for giving me hand structuring the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. How about uh, visiting our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.